Welcome, everybody, and Happy New Year. This is Hear Her Sports, the podcast about female athletes and women in sports. I'm your host, Elizabeth Emery. I am delighted to be here with you again for another year. Today's guest is strength coach and competitive strongman athlete, Hannah Jennings. Hannah has been active in the weight room since high school, competes in both powerlifting and strongman events, and holds multiple state and world records. Hannah is also a strength coach, helping women get stronger and building their self-belief so they can also start living their strongest life. And just for Hear Her Sports listeners, Hannah has created a special offer. Sign up for her 14-week Get Strong AF one-to-one program, and she will pay your gym membership during that time. Start by scheduling a free call with Hannah to see if her coaching would be a good fit for you. Go to bit.ly slash getstrongaf. If you didn't catch that link, head to hearhersports.com to find it in Hannah's show notes page. I'm so pleased to announce that we've partnered with the female-founded company Sufferfest Beer, which is supporting today's episode. We're all about being badass, and they are too. Find out more about their story a bit later. And now let's get on to the show and meet Hannah Jennings. Welcome, Hannah. It's really great to have you here. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Sure. Can we start with real basics? What is strong man or strong woman? And while you answer that, can you also break down the various ways to compete in strength, like powerlifting and Olympic, and what the difference between all that is? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so strong man's, I usually will explain it like this. So if you've ever watched World's Strongest Man, like that's the most popular thing. It's like on ESPN, like once a year. Right. That is what I do. <laughs> So I am lifting kegs, I'm doing farmer's walks, I'm doing heavy yoke carries, I am um, doing like heavy deadlifts with an axle bar, things like that. Um, Like not very normal things that people think are really crazy, it's basically what I do. (laughs) Cool. And then as far as the other strength sports go, so there's powerlifting, and that is a combination of three lifts, the three big lifts actually, so it's the squat the deadlift and the bench press. So that makes up all of powerlifting and you compete in just those three lifts. Um, And then as far as Olympic weightlifting goes, there's the snatch and then there's the clean and jerk. So they only do the two lifts in the Olympic weightlifting. That's what that is. And then, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much everything. And then there's little strength communities too. So there's like mace swinging. There's, I mean, there's little parts like I don't know, sumo wrestling, things like that. They get into like a little bit of strength sports too. But the big ones are the, the Olympic weightlifting, the, oh, CrossFit, of course, too. Get their CrossFit in there. So the Olympic weightlifting, the strongman and the powerlifting. And Ninja Warrior. Yeah, that too. Yeah. (laughs) So there's like all the little subcategories of the strength community. You know what I mean? So it's pretty cool. And is there any crossover? I mean, I see that you do the strongman and you do the powerlifting. Would you also do the Olympic lifting? Yeah, so sometimes, um, I haven't recently, but when I first got into powerlifting, I wanted to do an Olympic weightlifting meet. So I started training for the Olympic weightlifts, and then I changed my focus and wanted to get a state record in the squat, so I didn't end up pursuing that very far. Mm -hmm. But you can definitely cross over between the two. You know, as a strength coach, sometimes I will program people for like a snatch, or I'll program them to do a clean and jerk. And in Strongman, we actually do like our own variation of the clean and jerk. It's actually called an axle clean and press. And so that's like our version of that. So there's definitely a crossover. Is the axle clean and press, is that the one with the big log? Yeah, for a Strongman it is, yeah. (laughs) But but it's different variables, right? So you could do a log, you could do like an axle, you could do a bar. So there's different, there's a bunch of different, different stuff that goes along with it. Got it. 
And, you know, it was really interesting to me that you started lifting in high school. Was that unusual? Yes, definitely. I huh. got a lot of flack for that. Yeah. Really? Really? I, yes, definitely. Yeah. I started off as an after-school program to condition the athletes for soccer. Uh-huh. And I went in there and I was like, you know, I've just really wanted to try something new. So I went in there to get better at soccer. And then there was some records on the board in the weight room. And I noticed that there were some females on there. And I just... I don't know, from that day, from the very first day, I just fell in love with it. And I broke all my high school like little records in there, except for one, which still irks me to this day. And, then, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, it was very unusual to see girls in there, um, especially young women, teenage athletes. Our coaches would want us to lift, but they wouldn't want us to lift outside of, you know, whenever our season started, it was like, you're done lifting. Right. And I continued to lift. So that was definitely something that I got a lot of flack for from my coaches. And I got flack for from my teammates as well. You got flack because they thought it was going to hurt your soccer? Yeah, yes. And, you know, sometimes because there's this misconception that strength training makes you slower, that you're going to injure yourself during the season. But I obviously, I mean, I didn't listen. I still lifted most of the time. I mean, there, there was times when soccer got to be too much and I couldn't lift. Right. But I would lift as much as I could. And The most flack I think I got was when I did a year of track and field, my coach actually came into the weight room and said, hey, you know, why aren't you outside running? And I was like, well, I want to get my strength in first and then I'll go run because I knew that it's not very beneficial to run first and then lift because just exhausted at that point. So, yeah, it's okay though. (laughs) Yeah. I was really fascinated when I talked to one of the rugby players who's on USA Rugby and they lift all year round. Like, even yeah. even when they go for a competition trip, they still lift during that period, too. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And I definitely encourage other athletes and other sports to do that as well. But, you know, if you have the right coaches and the right mindset with all of it, you can definitely benefit from lifting as an athlete all year round for really any sport. Mm-hmm. Who was the person that started the soccer team in the weight room? So it was like one of those things where it's like the dad takes over the soccer team. Right. So it was one of the dads from one of the kids that actually played soccer. And so they started the strength program with the football athletes. Oh. Um, So we actually lifted in the weight room with some of the football players. So I did a lot of football-based strength training to start with. That's so fascinating. So this parent, was it a father? Yeah. Yeah, it was a father and a mother. They were both co-coaches. That's cool. So, like, I mean, that's a pretty bold move, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, because it's like no one else in the like that I knew of of any other soccer teams or anything like that was weight training. And I definitely think it's what helped me, number one, become a lot faster. I was definitely became more durable of an athlete. I was way more like, shoot, what's the word for it? Um, Competitive, I'd say, almost to the point where it was like, I just didn't care what anybody on the field thought, which kind of could be detrimental to your team when you're getting red cards and stuff, you know, (laughs) but (laughs) it was, it was great. It was a good experience. And did you have a sporty family also? Yes. So I grew up with seven brothers and two sisters. There's 10 of us all together. And I think every single one of my siblings was in sports except for two, Mm -hmm. two of them. And even those two, they still did they're still very athletic, still like played backyard football and basketball and things like that. And they actually still do pickup teams today. So yeah. And your parents? Uh, My dad was, yeah, my dad was a football player and did track and all that stuff in high school. Um, And then my mom, no, my mom was actually, she didn't do anything. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we definitely got it all from our dad. (laughs) 
<laughs> I bet genetically she probably has some good stuff in there. <laughs> I, I, I like to think so. <laughs> That's funny. Can you talk about your training now? Like, what are your days like and how does the week work for you? Okay, so I do a four-day split, which means I I lift two days, I take a day off, and I lift another two days, and then I just take the weekends completely off and use it for, like, Saturdays and Sundays are just recovery days for me. So I spend about an hour to two hours in the gym on every training day, and every training day is different. So I will do, let's say, like, yesterday I did heavy squats, and then I did some kettlebell swings, and I did some lighter deadlifts. And then so today when I go train, I will do some more deadlifts or I'll do um, some bench press or something like that. And then I'll take a break tomorrow and either I'll do some active recovery, some mobility, something like that. And then on my Thursdays and Fridays are usually like more accessory days. So I'll work on movements and but there's always one lift that is the core of the whole workout. Right. So it'll be like let's say an overhead press for that day, it'll be like a heavy overhead press. And then all the work after that, my accessory work complements that lift. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 Can mm-hmm. you can you tell us what you're squatting these days? You know, I haven't maxed out in a really long time. To be honest with you, I get this a lot. <laughs> but I think the last time I maxed out, it was three, uh, three, I think it was 300. And that was like, probably almost a year ago. Right. So I'm definitely stronger since then, but it was, it was 300 a year ago. I think that's, I think I posted that post on my Instagram, so it's on there somewhere. Got it. And so, but yesterday, like what were you squatting? Yesterday I was on, I wasn't on with the regular barbell. I was using a safety squat bar, but I was squatting around 200 ish on that. It was, it was like a pause squat. So it definitely wasn't anywhere close to the max. Yeah. And how many reps do you do? I just, I like asking this because it just gives some perspective of yeah absolutely like, yeah no problem yeah, yeah I'm, I'm cool with it i yeah. so i did five sets of five for that okay cool yeah how far in advance do you plan like do you know what you're going to be doing you know roughly anyway in march yes yeah, so i okay so i actually have a coach myself i firmly believe that coaches need coaches <laughs> and i also don't like to program for myself so i don't do any of my own programming i have someone else do it for me it's another strength coach who I trust, who I know I've been with for a really long time and has gotten me, you know, all the, all, like, I haven't made all of my goals with this person. So I just stick with him. So he sends my programming every Sunday. And so I know the week before it starts what I'm going to do that day. Right. Yeah. So that's what that looks like for me. Why do you think having a coach is, is important for coaches? Okay. Yeah. So that's a great, great question. For me, or not, not really for me, but I just think it just keeps us on our toes, right? I think like sometimes... It's good to have a coach because you keep learning as an individual. And I think having a coach helps me to keep learning, keep moving forward, keeps me motivated. If I ever have a question, I can go and ask my coach or I can reach out to another coach. You know, it's a continual learning process. And I think that's where, where coaching helps other people, but also helps coaches as well. You need to be continually learning. Once you hit that level or that spot in your life when you're like, I've learned it all, that's when that's when you start to fail. You know what I mean? You got to be continually moving forward, continually getting that that help, that accountability to keep like working towards your goals and things like that. Because even as coaches, I still find, you know, sometimes if if I don't have someone there keeping me accountable, I won't stay on track. Like I know how to and I know all these things, but it's tough sometimes to do it all by yourself. And it just gives you that extra 
that extra uh, base layer to know that someone has your back, that you can always have somebody to go to, that somebody is out there that has your best interest at heart. And I think having that and knowing that is, is why I have a coach myself and why I think coaches need coaches. I find when I have a coach, it's somebody to sort of have an objective viewpoint. You can get really, I don't know, self-involved when you're training. Yes. Yeah, I completely agree because you can, you can go out there for me, it would be like, oh, my deadlift looks perfect. And then my coach comes over and he's like, hey, you need to actually not round your back so much or something like that, that I had no idea I was doing. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. it, it, you're so right on that. It definitely gives you a different perspective and something that can just help you and keep you and make sure that you are, you know, continually moving forward. Do you go to conferences and, you know, do a lot of reading and things like that about coaching? I do a lot of reading. Yeah. So I actually have my master's in athletic coaching education. So I still love to read up on coaching and I, I read up a lot on like different strength coaches and things like that. I love my favorite strength coaches, Mark Ripito. And then after that is Jim Wendler. And so I follow them a lot and their philosophies and things like that. So I do, and I do go to different seminars. I put on seminars myself, but then I also like to go to different strength seminars as much as I possibly can. Yeah. So I, lo I love all that stuff. Cool. I have a few sort of goofy questions, but how many pull-ups can you do? Oh my gosh, you're asking me all these questions. I don't know. I can at least do 10. I know that. I haven't maxed out on my pull-ups either. <laughs> Maybe I should go do that and then I'll have to get back to you on That's that. That's right. That's very impressive. And one of the things I saw in, I don't know, one of your videos or posts, you talk about grip strength. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So grip strength is super important for me and at, well, I just think for everyone in general because you know, you use your hands every day. So being able to grip things is obviously important. And it definitely helps with strongman specifically because a lot of the things that we do are very grip intensive. Like holding an axle bar is a lot harder than holding an actual barbell because it's wider. And then when you get into like farmer's carries and things like that, when you are carrying something that heavy, you have to have a strong grip to be able to do that. So getting a stronger grip has been super beneficial to me in all of my moving events when it comes to moving heavy weight and actually walking with it. Mm. And then also just deadlifts in general, that has been super beneficial. So how do you how do you improve your grip strength? Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways to do that. I like for most of the people that I work with to do Cohen holds, which is where you put two weights on the side of a barbell, you can use a barbell or an axle bar and you grab it in the middle and then you just hold it beside of you for as long as you can. Mm. So that's a great way to do it. Um, you can do these things called rolling thunder pull-ups. So you attach it to like a regular pull-up bar and it's this thing that rolls. So it's really, really hard to hold on to. And you do pull-ups that way. That's my favorite way. What else is there? <laughs> there's like, like you could do the, all, any of the rock climbing stuff. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. There's so, there's so many different things. I love pull-ups for most of my grip stuff, or you can like pinch two weight plates together mm. and hold those for max time. That helps with your grip. Sometimes I'll do different grips with my farmer's carries and I'll just hold the two farmer's handles beside of me and use different grips. So I'll do like a thumbless grip or just like all over finger grip where I'm just holding it regularly and then do thumbless and then I'll do something else, just different grips. Right. You mentioned the carry. Explain what that does. I don't, I don't really understand the carry and like sort of the benefits of that. Okay. So carries are, well, okay. So if you can move... <laughs> fast with heavy weight, then you're going to be able to move faster by yourself. You know what I mean? So that's one of the benefits for me because I'm always looking to be a faster athlete. I don't know what, what my deal is, but I think it's from 
when I, I grew up racing my brothers, so I'm always wanting to get faster. And a great way for me to do that is to carry heavy implements and walk or run with them as fast as I can. And it also uh, just helps with my me competing. Most of the strongman competitions that I do have a heavy farmer's carry. So I'll have to pick those up and carry them. And you just do this in daily life. Like how many times have you had to like pick up a box and carry it? You know, it just, it helps with just stuff in general. And then also with me competing. Does that answer the question? It sure does. Yes. (laughs) So a recent guest was Cheryl Cookie, and she talked about college athletes not wanting to bulk up in the gym. And she was, you know, like explaining the surprise of that. Can we talk about maybe your experience of dealing with athletes who are afraid of bulking up? And I know this is an issue that you've thought about a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I I listened to that uh, episode. That was a really good episode. Anyways, yeah, so that is definitely a misconception, especially in the strength community, is if we lift weights, especially as women, we think we're going to get strong and turn into like the She-Hulk or something. And the reality of that is it's just not true. You know, everybody's different. So some people put on muscle differently than other people. But for me, if you look at me, you know, and I have regular clothes on, most people cannot tell that I lift. And I have been lifting for... 10 years now, I think I'm going on my 10th year. And so it's just not, it's just not a real, it's just this thing. I don't know. It's not a real thing. If that makes sense. It's not (laughs) something, I don't even know what the right words are. It's just a big misconception about strength training. And, you know, just because you pick up a barbell doesn't mean you're going to gain all this muscle. It takes years to build up, you know, a ton of muscle. And I think where women get stuck is, they look at the bodybuilder side of it and they look at all these natural bodybuilders or all of these other bodybuilders and they just get scared and they're like, oh my gosh. But you have to think about it. Those people that are doing that want to look that way. You know, as like a strength athlete, I don't want to look like a bodybuilder. So I'm not going to make that happen for myself. I just want to perform well and keep performing at an elite level. You know, number one, it all comes down to your goals. And number two, it's just this big misconception that just is not true. Like like women do not put on as much body muscle and mass as we think that, you know, we can so quickly. That's just, we just don't, you really have to work for it. So if you really want it, like you can get it, but you know, you're going to have to work for it. And um, yeah, I don't know. Sorry. I got off track there. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's fine. It's also interesting. I mean, the, the bodybuilders you're talking about are also doing a lot of nutritional changes to get that way. Right. I know. I don't, I didn't want to say it out loud, but yeah, I mean, steroid, steroid use, right? I mean, most of it, if you see it, it, there's a lot of steroid use, especially in strength sports. So it's like, you know, it, they're getting that way because they're using those and that's something to enhance their, you know, either their performance or just so they can look a certain way. And, and I hate that, you know, I hate that that's a thing for women, you know, and they don't understand that, you know, most of the time they, they look that way because of these, like the drugs that they're taking and things like that. So, hmm. Interesting. Talking about competing, do you like competing? Oh, I love competing. It keeps me, oh, it's just, it's just my jam. I have been, I have always been a competitive person. So when I found something that I could do after high school, this was, this was it for me. <laughs> what, what is it about competing that you like? Uh, I love the adrenaline rush. I am an adrenaline junkie. So I love the adrenaline rush I get right before I get ready to go lift. And I absolutely love the challenge. I love challenging myself against other competitors to to figure out where I'm at because it's a really good benchmark for me to see, okay, I need to improve in this area. I need to make sure that I do this and this and this. And it just helps me become a better athlete the more that I compete. And I absolutely love it. 
You've talked about competitive nerves. How have you gotten over that? Or do you want to get over that? Maybe that's part of it. <laughs> yeah, so I think there's definitely a healthy dose of, you know, you want to be somewhat nervous going into a competition, right? Because if you were completely calm, you'd be like, okay, wait, <laughs> what's going on here? But there comes a point when your nerves actually, it's actually detrimental to your performance. And I was feeling that when I first started competing in strongman, I would get so nervous that I'd actually feel kind of sick and I would not feel like I was strong anymore. I know that's like super counterproductive to what I'm trying to do as well. So that was really irritating, but I found that I didn't feel strong anymore. So I had to figure out a way to fix that, how to, you know, come at it at a different angle because I didn't, you know, I was having an unhealthy dose of nerves. So what I had to do was I took a sports psychology class in my master's and that's what started it. And then I also had a mentor at the time and he talked to me about a lot about it as well. And then I started reading books about Olympians and what they did to deal with their nerves. One of the things that they talk about that they do is they use visualization and like different breathing techniques. So like breathing deep right before you're getting ready to go and then visualizing in your head your performance over and over and over again. And so I started to incorporate those techniques before I got ready for a competition, and it helped so much. Like it was a drastic change from feeling nervous and scared about my performance to going out there and being extremely confident and knowing exactly what I had to do in order to win. I sometimes think that those nerves pre-competition are, I don't know, they're I don't really know how to say this, but are, are trying to send you a message or make you afraid or I don't know. I mean, we don't have emotions or reactions just sort of out of the blue. Our body is trying to tell us something, you know, like what was it trying to make you afraid for or nervous about or. Yeah, if I, um, if I if I'm being completely honest, I'd say a lot of it probably had to deal with the fact that I just had a lot of self-doubt in myself. I think looking back, the reason why I felt that way was because I wasn't confident in my abilities to begin with. So my body, you know, because I thought that my body was like, hey, maybe you shouldn't do this because you're not super confident. And that's really, really heavy. And you might hurt yourself and you're going to get injured. And, you know, you're not going to be able to do what you love anymore. So maybe you just shouldn't do it at all. And so all of that combined started, you know, this negative, like emotions, and then and then it spiraled into just a lot of negative pre-competition jitters that I could definitely, you know, definitely hindered the way that I performed. Hmm. What does confidence mean to you? Confidence to me, to me, confidence, that's a great question. I love that question. All right, let me give me a sec. It means quite a few things to me. But for one, confidence to me is, is knowing exactly who you are and what you want and going for it no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. And just being completely unafraid of what someone else could say to you that is going to affect you negatively. Like no matter what anybody says, you're focused, you're ready to go. It doesn't matter. You know what your goal is and you're going to go for it. Right. I get stuck on the word confidence because, you know, fixing your attitude sounds so easy. Like go, go fix your attitude. Okay. I'm going to go fix my attitude. Like seriously, this is a big project. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you are so right. And you're right. And it, it's like, uh, it's like confidence is kind of like an overused term, you know, and and I, I talked about that once before, where I was like, someone like says, just be positive. They're like, hey, why don't you just be positive? And you're like, yeah, okay, I would be positive if it was that easy. Exactly. <laughs> I'd like to be positive. <laughs> like, yes, thank you. By all means, bring it over here. <laughs> 
So how did you get more confident? And do you have any specific tips or, or yeah. tactics that you use now? Yes. Okay. So a lot of it for me and as a competitor was just to compete more. So it was getting that under my belt. Competing more was definitely one of the things. So if you're scared to compete or something, it's just doing it over and over and over again until you kind of get used to it. I mean, you always have the nerves right before you compete, but eventually you're able to just get used to it so that you can handle it a lot better. And then another was the visualization techniques that I had read about that the Olympians were doing was visualizing exactly my performance, exactly how I wanted it to go and bringing different things into it as well. So I would actually think about what the air was going to smell like, what the bar was going to feel like in my hands, what music they were going to be playing, how many people were going to be watching me. I brought as many factors into my visualization as much as I possibly could to make it as real as possible for myself so that when I went to compete or when I go to compete, I'm not as nervous because I know what's going to happen because I've already preconditioned my body to feel those feelings so it know it already knows what to feel. So I don't feel the negative pre-competition jitters. I only feel the jitters that are working for me that are going to make me better. So that's another one. And then another thing that really helped was just like honestly just having a coach has been super beneficial for me and then you know working with the implements is also really awesome leading up to a competition and building my confidence with that as well. Do you visualize sort of the moments that you know are going to be hard, you know, like the last rep, for example? I mean, I'm just imagining things, but like the last rep, you know, it's going to be hard. There's no way that it's not going to be hard. And do you right. do you prepare mentally for that point? Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. I prepare mentally for how exactly how it's going to go. Right. So, for instance, at my last competition, it was nationals. I saw myself lifting a log over and over again. And I knew at some point I was going to get fatigued because it happens in training. Like you just get fatigued. So I imagined myself getting through that last fatigue rep and just keep doing it and keep doing it and feeling like how heavy the weight was going to feel on my chest before I had to press and how heavy it was going to feel once I brought it to my lap. And then how the clean was going to feel when I cleaned it up to my chest and then how the press was going to feel um, and how I might have a sticking point there, but I was always going to be able to make it through. Um, you, know, you know, that exact same thing <laughs> happened as well, like in that competition. So I did the, the log press and then I started to get fatigued, but I was able to push through it because I was like, I know I can do this. I've seen this in my head a million times. I know what's happening. So I know I can get through this. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Sometimes just being prepared that it's going to suck is good enough. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't always expect it to be rainbows. And that's the thing about like rainbows and sunshine. Like that's the thing about strongman is they change it. Like every single competition you go to, especially when you get to like bigger competitions like nationals or the Arnold or something like nine times out of 10, you're going to have an event that you didn't train for because of equipment that didn't come or because you know the promoter said you can't use this on their floor or, or something like that. So, you know, it always changes. So you have to be ready for all of those you know, it doesn't matter what it is, you got to be prepared for it. And so that's where just being strong is very, very helpful. <laughs> right. I want to talk about coaching and, and all of that. But to start that, what are since we've been talking about confidence, what are some of the core reasons that you find that keep coming up with your clients that are keeping them from being confident? Okay, so that's a great question. I think most of it is just not enough repetitions under the bar. Mm -hmm. Like most people do not approach the bar with confidence. They see the weight on the bar, they get really scared. And that is what stops them from getting a successful lift. 
So I have to go back and make sure that they have a lot of repetitions under the bar and that they actually think about what they're about to do before they do it. So, you know, some people have their own ritual before they get ready to squat. So I'll tell them, you know, give them different cues to use for themselves so that they can be like, okay, do I have the bar on the right spot on my back? You know, are my feet wide enough? Are my toes pointed forward or are they pointed out? Am I looking down at the floor? Things like that, like different cues so that, you know, they're like, okay, I did one, I did two, I did three, I'm ready to squat and go. And so they don't have all this, you know, white noise in their head telling them, hey, you're doing this wrong. Hey, you look like an idiot. Hey, this is too heavy, stuff like that. It sounds like you really like coaching. I do. I love coaching. (laughs) I actually started off wanting to go to vet school and then I started competing and I fell in love with like strength sports because I didn't really know that it existed in high school. So when I got to college, I was like, whoa, this is a thing. And so I fell in love with it. And then from there, I just felt amazing. I remember feeling so great about myself, great about what I look like, great about who I was becoming. Like I just felt super confident, I guess it would be the word. And then from there, I just remember thinking to myself, I want to help as many women as I possibly can feel this same way because being strong feels amazing. (laughs) And we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Sufferfest Beer, founded and led by female athlete Caitlin Landisberg. Wanting to celebrate her finish line moments, Caitlin was searching for a beer that had great flavor without compromising her autoimmune disease. So she took matters into her own hands and spent years developing the beer that she wanted to see in the world. Sufferfest beer is gluten removed with ingredients that hustle hard. Try Sufferfest's Head Start Stout, brewed with coconut water and equator coffee, giving you the sweetness and balance you crave without the added sugar. Their FKT Pale Ale has ingredients like black cherry currant and sea salt, best enjoyed at a sweaty finish line. To find Sufferfest near you, go to sufferfestbeer.com. Here's to sweating and to celebrating. You mentioned that you really liked the way that you looked. And I think I read, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you started out running more with the aim of being sort of that ideal vision of a lean, long, thin athlete. Yes, that is true. So how did that switch for you? So I started lifting in high school, like I said, and then I went to college and I didn't have a coach anymore. So there was this period where I, I just did like some random online strength programs, but they were like, quote, made for women, unquote, you know, like the annoying, like dumbbell stuff that is just like ridiculous. (laughs) Anyway, so I did a lot of that there for like a year. And I was under the impression that I needed to run. Because that's what they told you to do, you know, you do lots of reps with little weight, and you run. And I remember, you know, I ran two half marathons, I would run long, long distances. And I remember just getting so, so frustrated, because I never looked the way that I wanted to look. And I would pass by the women's health magazines, like every single day at the gym. And I would just feel so broken and frustrated and irritated at my progress because I was putting in all this effort. I was running every day. I was every lifting all these dumbbells. I was doing all, like all this stuff and I wasn't, I didn't look the way I wanted to look and I didn't feel the way I wanted to feel. And I just remember looking at myself in the mirror one day and being like, I really don't like the way, like, I really hate the way that I look and I really don't like myself. Wow. Yeah. So then from there, I was on a mission. So at that point, I was like, okay, I don't want to feel this way anymore. I got to do something about it. And I had an injury left over from soccer, like I had a lower back injury. And I was like, okay, I got to do something about this. And so I was looking for different coaches. And so someone that I knew was like, hey, you should go to the strength coach, see what he has to do for you. And then that's where I met my coach now. So I went to him. And ever since then, it's just, you know, 
history from there. Strongman started, got over that back injury, started actually gaining some muscle, started to love myself, like yada, yada, yada. Right. (laughs) What have been some lessons that you've learned from your clients? Oh, yeah. Okay. So some lessons I've learned. Okay. I love this. Okay. So lessons that I've learned from my clients are you have to keep people accountable. People want accountability. I have, have come to find out. And I see that in myself, but I definitely see that more in my clients and what they want. When I work with people, they tell me, you know, they're just like, hey, I, I just can't stay motivated or I can't do this. I can't do that. And what they're telling me is that they want accountability. Mm-hmm. And so I've definitely learned that something that's huge with people is that accountability and being consistent is key. And that's where I come in as a coach. I keep them accountable and I keep them consistent. And that's where they get the results. Right. So you check in with them all the time. Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a coach and she does the same thing. <laughs> I, it's almost to the point where I, I know I'm probably being annoying, but I don't care because I'm like, you've invested in me. We are going to make this happen, hell or high water. So you better get used to it. <laughs> So since we talk a little bit about that, how do you work with your clients? Like somebody calls you up and says, hey, I'm interested in working with you. What happens next? So I work with most people online. There are a couple in-person clients locally that do strongman competitions that I'll train people for, but most of the time it's online. And so what that looks like is I put everybody on an individual strength program. Like that is what I do. First and foremost, you're going to get strong. And if you don't want to get strong, then don't work with me. (laughs) And so that's what I do first. And everybody's different. So I put them all on something based on what their goals are and what they need right now in order to get stronger. And then from there, we'll do different mindset techniques because that is super, super important for me. Like I've talked about the visualization and things like that. I go into that deeper with my clients and challenge them to to really like think about, you know, the things that they want and, you know, really challenge themselves there with the mental aspect of it. And then I also, so I said, I keep them accountable um, and consistent And then I will also throw in extra stuff if they need like extra mobility or something like that. I have this little thing that I started, it's called hybrid mobility. And I work with them on their mobility and their stretching and things like that. You know, it's very individual. It just depends on what the person needs. Like right now I'm working with someone who is getting stronger, but then also wants to really focus on their mobility and flexibility. And then I have another person that I am training just straight for strongman. So we're just focusing on getting stronger and doing the strongman implements. And then I have another person that I'm training, you know, just to get strong. So we're just on a strength program right now. And then as they progress, if they need the mobility here, I'll bring in the mobility. If they need that taken out and then, you know, more active recovery, I'll throw that in. It's very individual. Right. And are you working with any athletes who want to get stronger, but they want to get stronger for another sport? Yeah. So I actually am working with someone who is a mountain biker. Oh, cool. And so, yeah, so I'm working with her right now and she is on a strength program to get stronger for mountain biking. Mm -hmm. So talk about the value of strength training for other sports. Okay. Yeah, I love this. So here's what I like to start this off with usually is no one ever said, hey, I, it really sucks that I'm this strong. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it really sucks that I got this strong. So getting stronger can only benefit you because the stronger you get, the faster you're going to get on a bike, right? And you know, you gain so much strength by your body weight, just from cycling, say, but if you were to strength train, you get your muscles and your legs are going to get bigger, right? You're going to be able to put more force into that. You're going to be able to last longer. It will help with your endurance. So getting strong is super helpful for that. And then, you know, say you were jujitsu or a grappler or something like that, you know, to be able to, to last longer in a match, strength training is going to help there. 
you know, being the stronger person when it comes to choking someone out is going to be super beneficial um, in that area as well. And then, I don't know, I could go on and on. Well, football is very obvious. You want to be strong for that. Any kind of like MMA, I I also have a background in mixed martial arts a little bit there. And that was super helpful for me because you have more powerful punches, right? Your leg kicks are way more powerful when you're actually strength training than if I wasn't strength training. But yeah, there's, I don't know, to me, the benefits are just obvious, but not a lot of people understand that. (laughs) Right. And how do you check in with the people that you're working with online in terms of their form and how they're actually, you know, performing the the moves? Right. So there's, there's two different, or I don't know, there's a couple different ways that I can do this. So one of my clients sends me videos every single time she lifts, she'll lift and then she just sends me the videos through like a Google doc and I will look at all of them and then give her feedback on that. So the next time she goes to lift, she has the feedback so she can use it. And then I also have it so that if you are like struggling right then and there and you need help on the spot, we will coordinate a call so that I can actually literally watch you from like a FaceTime call while you're lifting as well. Because to me, things like that are super important. You know, that really helps build up my clients' confidence in themselves when they know that they're doing things correctly. So it's really, really important that they are doing things correctly so that they build that, you know, build that confidence and that trust factor and things like that. Right. What have you found have been stumbling blocks for your clients or the, you know, I'll use a term pain points. Pain points. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think a lot of it is, is honestly, it's mental. I mean, some of it, you know, uh, it, it's definitely like strength training isn't easy, right? I'm not going to sit here and be like, it's like the easiest thing ever. It, you know, for people that love it for me, it's awesome. And it's amazing. And I'm super motivated to do it. But for people that, you know, are doing it to get better at something else. It's not the forefront of their training. So sometimes it can get very tedious. So for them, it's like, hey, it's bringing in the mental aspect. It's going back to your why and being like, hey, this is why I'm doing this so I can get better. And then it's also approaching, like I said, approaching the bar with confidence and things like that, because sometimes the weight is really intimidating. It just is. You know, when you're lifting two, three times your body weight, you don't know. You're like, is this going to crush me or not? And I want to make sure that all of my clients go in and know that, hey, I got this. Like, this is not going to crush me. I'm going to get this today. Things like that. So most of it is their sticking points and their pain points is the mental blocks. Like, it really does all come down to that. And then the second one, I would say, is just their strength in general. So they come to me and they're just not strong. They've been doing all these other things and they come in with like really bad form or really bad techniques from other stuff that they've done. And so I kind of have to rework that with them. And sometimes that can be a little frustrating for them because, you know, it's a it's a progression and people want to get stuff right then and there, right? right? They want the instant gratification and it's something that we have to work on. And so I have to explain to them, hey, this is going to take time. You're going to need a lot of feedback right now. We're going to have to work through this. So you know, you're in it for the long haul or you're not. So get used to it, I guess. Are they, or are you doing any cardio? Yeah. I I don't, I don't know that I like really like the term cardio because it has such negative connotations to it, but I do, I do those things. So like, but I don't run for cardio. I will do sprints Mm -hmm. and I'll have like my clients do conditioning circuits because I'm a strong man athlete. I like to do strong man conditioning circuits. So I'll have them do like a medley or something as fast as they can. So it'd be like a farmer's walk as fast as they can. And they sprint back and do like a yoke carry. 
it's more on the conditioning side than it is for cardio, but it still achieves the same thing. Like they're still getting their heart rate up. They're still getting those benefits that they need instead of doing just like a steady state of cardio. Right. Right. What are your goals? Whether it's, you know, for your competition or also for your coaching business? Yeah. So my competition goals is to go pro. I compete in the amateur Arnold strongman world championship in 2020. Then that is the largest, competition that you can do as an amateur strongman athlete and so I want to go pro so I would have to get like within the top three of that and I've come pretty close every year I keep getting closer every year so I'm just working my way up that ladder but next year I'm hoping is my year and and what does it mean to go pro so well okay okay so what it means to go pro is you can actually compete in the strongest woman in the world competitions Mm -hmm. which is really awesome which is definitely a goal of mine as well and then sometimes in different iterations, you can get paid. And then also, you know, bragging rights. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and for the business? Oh, for the business? Uh, yeah. So for the business, my goals for that is to reach as many frustrated and like burnout athletes that are strength training as possible and to help them rekindle that and help them move forward in their strength training so they can start seeing results. I want to really massively push this on a huge scale. Because what I'm wanting to do is start like a movement of women who really understand the value of getting strong and understand what that means for them and in, in like their personal life and then their training life as well. And really revamp that and revamp how they view themselves and their self-belief and help them understand how to rework those negative thought patterns. That is my ultimate goal for it. I like it. I yeah. like it a lot. I'm going to botch this question because I don't really know how to ask it but it seems like a bigger picture goal like there's something behind wanting to achieve that yeah yeah you know that's that's a great question and to be honest I'm I'm still figuring out what that is like I know I have this like passion and just push of my own potential that I have to keep pushing myself forward but I don't honestly know that I know the full picture of it I know that it's going to be huge, whatever it is, because that's just who I am as a person. You know, I can do these things. And and I see myself talking on stages and things. I don't know what the exact outcome is going to be yet. So that's exciting. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Have you done any workshops where people come in and work with you for, you know, like a weekend or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I have done, actually done several of those. My recent one was with a, what's called CCRT. It's a civilian crisis response team. And it's a group where you learn different things like, you know, you are the first responder before the first responders get there and like what to do in a disaster situation and things like that. And I went and taught a class on becoming the Valkyrie, which was, you know, the importance of getting stronger so that you are able to, you know, help a person in need before the first responders get there and things like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I've done workshops on that. I've done workshops on mental training. I did one at a local gym here on building your confidence mindset or your pre-competition mindset. And I've done some workshops out West in Arizona, just all about strength training. And then sometimes I'll actually put on different like strength seminars on how to do things. Although I find that my workshops actually bring in a better crowd right now. Yeah. And personally, what are you working on in the gym? So right now it's probably my, um, my, like the actual implement is probably my deadlift. It definitely needs to go up. I definitely need to keep working on my confidence in that because It's kind of like where I excel in one thing, something's going to like drop off and I'm not going to feel super confident. So then I have to get my confidence worked up with that. And, you know, so I keep moving forward at an even pace. Right. Uh, So, yeah, that's what I'm working on currently. 
you talk often about confidence and we've talked about it. How do you feel that that sort of interacts with the actual, you know, like the physical part of the training? Well, I think they go hand in hand, like strength and confidence go hand in hand because the stronger you get, the more confidence you're going to build in yourself, you know, and then there's different areas, you know, because I have come to realize that the stronger that I get, the more resilient I am in my daily life, the more I can deal with a bad day, the easier it is for me to deal with confrontation and talking to people, the more I am able to handle stressful situations. This is like a mental thing, but I know in the back of my head that, you know, if I can lift, you know, X amount of weight, then I can handle this situation. And so to me, getting stronger builds my confidence, really helps me there. And working on my own self-belief helps accelerate that strength building process as well. Does that make sense? I love it. I absolutely love it. And I also think it's hilarious. I mean, basically you're saying, I can kick your ass if you bug me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's really nice to know when you go into a room that you're the strongest one in the room. And and I'm not saying I think that a lot, but it is definitely a confidence builder when you're going into a situation that would generally stress you out. And you're like, okay, wait, but I'm the strongest person in this room. So it's going to be okay. (laughs) I got this. (laughs) I love that. And I can't close this interview without asking you about your braids. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So they're my power braids, my power braids. I got into Norse mythology and just all these different types of mythology. So I really thought of myself as a Valkyrie for a really long time, which supposedly came down and got all the warriors during the Viking era or whatever. And so they all had braids in their hair. And so I started to think of myself as kind of like a warrior. So I'd step into becoming a different person when I competed than who I am now, kind of like an alter ego. And so in that alter ego braids her hair and she keeps her head up and she focuses. And so that's where the braids came about. It's just me getting ready for a competition and and really stepping into my alter ego. (laughs) I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, (laughs) it helps definitely because it's like when the braids are on, it's ready to go. (laughs) You know, my hair is way too short for braids. I'll have to come up with something else. I like it though. Yeah, definitely do it. I don't don't know. I don't know what you could do. You could do something cool. There's something out there. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. To close out, where can people find you? And if somebody wants to work with you, what should they do? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Hannah the Destroyer. You can also find me on Facebook under Hannah Jennings. And you can just shoot me a direct message or you can go to my website, which is powerthroughmovement.net. And there's always a contact where you can contact me there as well. Perfect. And all those links will be in the show notes so people can look there too. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate awesome. it. Thank fun. you. This is, I enjoyed this so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. And thank you to Hannah for being on the podcast. It is a new year. So if you've been thinking about getting a coach, now could be the time. Remember, Hannah has a special offer for Hear Her Sports listeners. Find all the details on her episode page at hearhersports.com. We have some great guests scheduled in January. So stay up to date by signing up for the newsletter. And I'd love to hear from you. Call our hotline at 725-BE-BADASS. That's 725-222-3277. Our design is by Agnes Studio and music by the band Goldmines. Till next time, bye-bye.
Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!